This episode of MBSing is sponsored by Cards Against Humanity. They asked me not to read an ad, so I'm just going to thank them for their constant friendship and support. Enjoy the show. I do my head toss, check my nails. Baby, how you feeling? Hello, welcome to MBSing. I'm your host, Mary Beth Smith. My guest today is my friend Bill Bullock, and he talks to me about finding your way in the Chicago comedy scene. Bill is more of a stand-up comedian than um, probably a vast majority of my guests and myself. So he has a little bit uh, different perspective and probably (laughs) a more interesting one uh, to me and those of us in the improv and sketch community. Uh, And basically everything he says, I try to kind of filter through uh, the improv and sketch community for better or worse. Uh, But it was really interesting to talk to him about this. As I think it's something that we're all kind of just trying to find our way uh, through fucking life, you heard. Uh, and I really enjoyed talking to him about it. It's kind of about finding your lane and um, the idea that uh, no one else is going to do any of this for you. So you kind of have to um, take the leap and build your wings, you know just got back from Los Angeles, which made me continue to think about all of these things even further. All these people who live in a city that's just dominated by the industry of that a lot of people here in Chicago want to be a part of um, in a place that is not dominated by the industry and kind of having to figure out what that looks like. Um, and I uh, think this is a, a cool conversation as a result. Um I have to apologize to Bill because he asked me to uh, (laughs) plug a show that happened two days ago, and at the time I did not realize that this would be released afterwards. Sorry, Bill. He hosts a show called It's Happening at Link's Hall. He did it on January 30th. I hope he's doing it again. But I bet the best way to figure out if he is doing it again and all of the other shows that Bill does is to follow him on Twitter at Bill R. Bullock, B-U-L-L-O-C-K. I'd do it if I were you. Because who doesn't want more of this guy's voice, you know? Anywho, thanks to him. Thanks to you for listening. Quick shout out to another show in the Chicago podcast co-op that I am a part of. Your Chicago. They just surpassed 100 episodes and they did a big retrospective for it. So if you've been looking to get into a show that's very Chicago-centric in terms of the people who run the restaurants and the city and not just work in the comedy community, might I suggest your Chicago. I can also suggest that you come to an annoyance show called The Fish Bowl that's every Thursday night at 9.30. It's the most consistent performance thing that I do, especially outside of the Nerdlogs. If you'd like to listen to the audio from the sketch show that the Nerdlogs did in Los Angeles, you can do that. It is the most recent episode of our podcast, Your Stories, which is also a part of the Chicago Podcast Co-op. Man, that was a lot of plugs all at once, and I am pretty glad about it because it means I don't have to talk anymore, and I got out all the things I wanted to say. So much to check out, so much to do, people to see, things to laugh at and feel heartened by in a world which is stealing our laughs and heartening moments. Keep your head up, get into this one, and follow Bill on Twitter. Go see him in stand-up shows. I think that's my favorite thing 
about this episode is that so much of the message was just like, go out and support things that you like because so much needs support and uh, deserves it. So get out the house, go watch a thing and uh, feel better about there being people making good stuff. I was listening to uh, the first part of that, um, your story's five year anniversary recording Mm -hmm. um, today and just, and it was just like happenstance. And I was like, oh nice, I get to talk to Bill tonight. I'll listen to him and then I'll chat with him. (laughs) Yeah, that was a cool one. I still haven't like looked at it because I know they they filmed that show, right? I think you're right. I don't know where that is yet. I want to see that because that is one of the shows where like I first started doing that like weird Oprah thing. That yeah. I was oh, doing. really? And it sucks because like I can't do that joke anymore. No. I mean, yeah. I it's guess like, I could have done like instead of Oprah dying on Christmas, is like Oprah dies right before the election or something. Yeah. Yeah. But I um I was thinking that when I was listening to it, I was like, man, I bet he did that bit at other s- spots. And because like it played really well to that audience. And then I got bummed out. And I remember having this thought on Christmas Day because it was like kind of Carrie Fisher instead of Oprah. <laughs> That's what I said. Yeah, I was like, and then and then George Michael and then Carrie yes, Fisher's oh, it was George mom. Michael. It was George Michael, right, right, yeah. And it was like, how many he... celebrities have to take Oprah's bullet? Ah, like... That's hilarious. <laughs> I really did think about you around Christmas because it was George Michael who who passed away on Christmas Day proper. Yeah. And uh, but Carrie and Debbie were right around there. How many celebs have to take Oprah's bullet? I mean, that's so one funny. day she's gonna be made to answer for her. <laughs> she's like burning sage in her die. house or something. <laughs> like, you know, she's doing some shit. Yeah, weird. That's warding everybody off. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. I wanna, I wanna, ooh, I should talk to Eric about that. Yeah, yeah, figure out where that. I don't know if anyone would know uh, where the footage is, it is him for sure. Um, my guest today is my friend, Bill Bullock. And Hello, hi. Oh, hey, that's me. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and we're going to jam about uh, the Chicago comedy scene and kind of finding your place in it. Mm-hmm. Um, what is the origin of your uh, love and interest for this topic? Um, oh, man, that's actually a very loaded question na- nowadays. Because... You know, I so I don't know. I think that so there's uh, there's two ways I can answer this question. I think that one of them is way less complicated than than the other. I started. We got time. <laughs> I started doing comedy here in Chicago just after going to like I like going to stand up open mics because you know that's the normal thing that adults should do is go to open mics. Don't do that. Don't go to open mics. <laughs> I mean, some people do, and God bless them. It's one of those like double-edged swords, though. It's people yeah. say these are all terrible. Don't go to them, and then the counter is like, well, then how do I get into stand-up? And it's like, oh, well, well, you I mean, go. if you if you need to, go, yeah, if you feel the need to get on stage, then yeah, go to. That's the I only see. way to do it. Like I see. to do stand-up, that's yeah. the only way. Like, you know, I see. But if you're, but what you're saying, a is human, like pick a, a human, different thing to get yeah, into, like a civilian, like a. <laughs> No, no, no. I'm not even saying that. Look, because I, I understand. Because believe oh, me, as a comedian myself, I understand at I a certain see. level. You see, you're saying like, do not attend these to watch people do stand-up. If you want to see stand-up comedy, if you're even considering it, I wholly encourage you to do so. Sure. Don't go to an open mic to do, do so. Because no. then you're going to see the literally like 
the worst of it. Yes. And like, and the best people just practicing. Yes. And that's not the same thing as going to a show. You know what I mean? I can't. I was like, I think the reason I didn't understand was because I was like, people would choose to like watch an open mic. People do all the time. (laughs) I see it all the time. Um, That's unfathomable. Yeah, but I so I was one of those people for a while where I I was just going to open mics and stuff because like you know I I just I don't know I'd like to hang out at the the open mic at Cole's Bar. Oh yeah, sure. Um, And at the time it was run by Cameron Esposito, and yeah I don't know I've told this story before I guess. That's all right, but not here on your. Yeah, I was gonna say. I've and I, I like watching her host, and I like watching Adam Burke host as well. Oh, I love that. I love yeah. both of them. Yeah, they're great. And uh, I was just one of the people who came every week and watched it. And then That's one day, awesome. Cameron like walked up to me at the bar, and she was like, "You're here all the time." No shit. <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, just like watching the show." And she, she was, "You, do you want to do it? Do you want to sign up? Are you are you planning on doing stand up?" And I was like, "No, no, 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 no." That's no, crazy. No, no. no, and in my head, I was like, "Yes, yes, 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 yes." yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, How did you know? Yeah, um, yeah. Because you're willingly submitting yourself to a bunch of open uh-huh. mics. And Cam basically was like, and this is like one of the, I don't know, maybe one of the first or second times we ever like spoke more than just like hello, you know? Yeah. Uh, so it was very nice of her to be like, "Look, just That's sign awesome. up, sign up next week, just sign up next week." Good for her, yeah, and, and uh, good for you too. But like, for her to be like this fucking guy, <laughs> you know, it's weird because like I don't know, I don't see any. There isn't a good reason for somebody to do that. You know what I mean? Like, even as the host of the room, you don't need another idiot signing up every. You know what I mean? It doesn't, yeah, need to happen. I feel like there is an element to, you know, noticing that you were like dedicated enough to this idea that you kept showing up. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not like you just wandered in off the street and she offered you a spot on the show. <laughs> like, Well, right. And it wasn't like it was an open mic, right? So sure. it's not like any, anybody could literally walk off the street and do and it. And do that, right. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I had been there enough times. Like my face was recognizable at that mm-hmm. point. Um, but yeah, so that's how I started here. Obviously, I had an interest in comedy before that. But that's why I say that's more complicated because... I see. Uh, you know, I I always have liked comedy. I liked SNL. I liked all that kind of stuff, uh, com- comedic movies and stuff. Ever since I was really, really little, probably too little to actually be watching. Really, you know? that's what I was gonna ask. Uh, what were yeah, some of your like go tos like as a kid? Richard Pryor's The Toy. Oh my god, which is just a movie about slavery. Like it's weird that that it's kind of what that movie's about. Yeah, it's just like the whole time Richard Pryor going like, "Hey, isn't it weird how this used to be actually a thing? Do you see how this is absurd?" <gasps> oh my gosh. That's what that movie basically is. And then uh so the person, of course, who made me realize that you could just like do stand up, like you could just be a stand up co- like you could do other stuff, mm-hmm. but you d- doing just doing stand-up comedy was like a thing you could do and be and Mm -hmm. that was of course bill cosby and bill cosby's himself which is like you know an excellent piece of like archival stand-up comedy like it's amazing it's it's a classic thing and then to have the person that you know made that thing be the person who is now today the person who he is right right so it's like super horrible to I mean, not not for. I mean, obviously, it doesn't really affect me, like right on a personal it's, it's level. It's obviously more horrible for the people that that happens. Obviously, yes. <laughs> but uh, it's also, you know, there's an element of his success and his like mm-hmm. notoriety and 
that icon nature that led to all that. So like, right, it's course. hard to ignore that as a part of the yeah. It's a, it's a part of the whole thing, right? Like yeah. this was a person who was famous for doing comedy, right? And that's what a lot of how he got to be whatever yeah uh, <laughs> yeah um, it's a bummer now it's just one more thing we've lost in the last few years <laughs> yeah i mean i'll say the words yeah bill cosby's a rapist and that Straight and up. also my favorite comedian <laughs> so like it's, it's a nice it's a night it's a nice little nightmare for me to yeah. always be thinking about that's so uh um, yeah that's a real heartbreaker <laughs> it's okay though i mean you know it's it's fine but yeah so i do stand up now and uh i just started getting into um like voice acting. Cool. And yeah, and I guess commercial television stuff, but that's not ha- like that's not a real thing. Nobody does that. Like I'm d- going to auditions for oh, companies that I'm not supposed to say the name of until the sure. commercial comes out even though I'm not in the commercial because I didn't get it. So who cares? That's so uh, funny. <laughs> but hey man, you're going out like yeah. that's uh that's step one. Yeah, <laughs> going I mean, to auditions mm-hmm. whether or not they happen. I uh, I've had a couple of friends uh recently get signed to an agent and like both of them have had crazy success like very quickly and both of them are like I don't know how it's happening. But it went from like not much to a lot, and I'm like, so this does happen, yeah, you know. I mean, to me, it's more encouraging than anything. I'm else. definitely at the not much stage right now. Yeah. Uh, but the fact that I am even in a place where like, oh yeah, I my literally because I met my agent through doing stand up, and that's it's, awesome. It's really, really, actually, kind of a hilarious story because at the beginning of the year in 2016, um, I was working for the city and doing stand-up on the side. And it was like, I was leading a double life and it was really depressing, like as depressing as you might imagine. And I've been working for the school district. Wow. And I ended up losing that job because of, not because of comedy, but because I was like, I'm going to tweet about all the corruption that I see in this place. One day I just decided to do that. and, And there was like a bunch of layoffs happening. So I got like, I think they like you know made it made an example no it's fine and i don't even i'm not like it pushed you out yeah yeah they they basically were like okay guy you gotta go like yeah they didn't fire me because of that it just was a yeah like you said that's a that's so funny because that's like not exactly how i lost my first job in chicago but Mm -hmm. it was a similar situation where like a bunch of people all got brought on at once and i like watched people slowly get you know uh laid off Mm. And um, it was okay for me because I just came in, you know, wanting to, like, take improv classes and, like, see what this thing was all about. And I didn't care about that job. And I was only supposed to have it for, like, six months. And I was there for a year longer than that. So at that point, I was just like, well, I'm going to start actually, like, you know, (laughs) trying to do the thing that I wanted to do. And if I lose this other thing as a result of being, like, Late a bunch, then like that's what happened, and, and that's it. Yeah, that's basically so what I started totally, to happen with mm-hmm. me, right? And that was I totally relate. That was right at the beginning of the year, and um, you know, I think I realized that I wanted to. Like, it was that moment that I was like, yeah, exactly. Like he was like, I, well, I've been wanting to do comedy, yeah, and I've been wanting to do it like as a like, I mean, as a professional, quote yeah. unquote. What does that mean, really? I mean, I had been, I had gotten paid to do stand up before I quit my, or lost my job, or forced myself out sure. of my job. Um, 
And so I just decided, I was like, you know what, I'm going to try this. I'm going to see what happens if I just try to get booked all the time and, you know, during the day work on trying to get booked at night, right? Instead That's of, awesome, Instead man. of looking for a new job immediately. I'm like right on that. If I lost my job, I would not look for another one. Yeah. I'm definitely at that position. Yeah. And well, that's not the end of the story. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I did decide to do that. And, and uh, a point came where I was like, not just scraping the bottom of the barrel. Like, I was eating the barrel. You know what I mean? Like, the barrel, the barrel, I was breaking it into You were pieces like and Googling them. different ways to cook wood. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and so I had decided, you know, uh, just I'm just going to get another full-time job. Just to, or, or I looked for part-time jobs, but in the field I was in, it was like, you could take this full-time job, but we won't give it to you if it's part-time. And I'm like, that yeah. makes, I want less money? That sucks. Um and so, like, I, I took another job, and the same day that I started that job, the first day of working there, I got booked at the Laugh Factory, which is uh, a local club in Chicago for all your out-of-Chicago listeners. Chicago listeners, yeah. Um, that's also in L.A. Everybody knows what the Laugh Factory is. I'm an idiot. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Man, I, I feel like there are I, – I get, like, self-conscious about talking too much, like, shop on these things. Right. But – I feel like there are people that I know who listen to it. Like usually, it's like a friend of a friend mm-hmm. will start listening to it because that friend was on the show, and then oh, yeah, that yeah. person will be like, "Hey, my coworker still listens to your podcast," and I'm always like, "How? Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's impossible!" That's, like, <laughs> that is the, why? How did I trick you into that? I know, I know, but like multiple people have, to, you know, multiple like three or four people have told me that that happens uh so every once in a while i don't suffice it to say uh i think you should you know clarify things like that okay well yeah we all know but like like you said the civilians who are just like walking into open mics to watch them with no intention of going up that's the kind of person that's like yeah you got to tell them what the laugh factory is okay good point point. you you make a very fair point because if they knew what that was they wouldn't be going to watch an open mic yeah that's true um and so yeah that was the first time i had been like booked that's awesome factory like officially and you know it wasn't a big it wasn't like i wasn't headlining or anything but it was like hey this is the start of something because i'm trying to work at this club more right and so like this is my chance to show them something and it was like at the end of my you know first day back at work after being like Uh, out of work for a couple months yeah and that was the same night that there happened to be an agent in the audience at the at the show who came up to me afterwards and literally i said like it was just a person i thought was like a well-wisher or a fan quote unquote fan yeah and i was just like oh thanks for coming out to the show and they were like you were really good i liked your voice and i was like cool well that's nice that's a very specific compliment right and i reached out to this is what i do when i talk to fans so i'll talk to you for a few seconds and then if the conversation is going somewhere then i'll let it go somewhere but if it's not i'll just be like well thanks for coming out and i'll shake your hand and ask you your name and and say say hello and thank you again for coming out that's a that's a, a good comedian. I think yeah, that's like yeah. a professional thing. And to it's do. not like to get rid of people. It's just no. to be like the the conversation needs to have a natural end. Otherwise, it's going to be like, well, well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like this weird pause. Yeah, you could talk to everybody in the audience, you know, mm-hmm. unless there's uh, a, an endpoint. Yeah. So I did that with this person, and instead of shaking my hand, she just slapped a card into my palm and was like, "You should email me tomorrow." 
And so I did. And, it, and then, yeah. That's awesome. And so like on my second or third day on the job, I had to like lie about what I was oh doing my over God. my lunch break because I had to go sit in an interview with my with my now agent. That's amazing. And talk to a bunch of other people. Yeah. And so like, I, <laughs> so I'm like, oh, I just got a new job. And now it's like the first step yeah. of me actually not need, you know. Oh, my God. The, it's a zero step, but it's like. But still, yeah, like, still like yeah, oh, totally. I mean, it's a step ahead. It's, I'm, I'm in negatives. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, no, I, I've submitted stuff, but like, yeah. so had I. To that shit. So had I. I, I didn't. I to that to the exact agency that I'm with now. Really. Um, and heard nothing, got nothing. I'm pretty sure that they didn't even, because you know you can put metrics on all your shit if you send somebody something on Google Docs. Oh yeah. Uh, they never. To see if it got. If open. they never clicked the link, you can you could tell that. That's uh, so funny. Or YouTube or I whatever. I never thought about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The days of just sending in a VHS tape and signing away your rights to it and and never seeing it again are right. over. But like. Even still, I had not heard anything from them and, you know, none of the other, like, one or two places that I sent stuff to, so. It seems like that's how shit happens, though. It's mm-hmm. like somebody wants to see you do something that you're good at or mm-hmm. or hear you, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I think that person was there by chance that night. They hadn't come there to look for me because th- right. the, the messages and emails and the demos that I sent were, like, over a year ago right it's point. not like you had like put you know i have this set at the laugh factory no. like that no. that but it's just like funny how all that stuff trickled that's awesome within a week of each other you know i started this new job and then i got this uh i signed with this agent and then like within like two or three weeks later the job started to fall apart and it was very much like oh they sold this as a completely different position than really? what it actually is yeah and they wanted me to like be that like i was asking for like more flexibility into, right because i thought maybe I wanted to get an agent in the next couple months and and then it kind of happened the first day and so I had to like I put a little more pressure on it and they put pressure going back and I was like okay so this is not gonna happen they were like no you're you're you know whatever it doesn't matter they were just they just didn't it didn't line up and I was like this is definitely not gonna work if the last place didn't work this is so uh yeah so I quit that job and now I'm broke. Now I'm real broke. Oh. So if anybody wants to give me money. If you're hearing these dulcet tones. Or a voice acting <laughs> position. I'm available and willing. No, yeah. So it's just like, you know, it's just like. Uh, how long ago were you hanging at Coles? Like, how long have you been at the, like, grind? Stand, the stand-up game. Uh, actually... Like last week, I think I hit six years. Wow, that's yeah. awesome! So like, I've been at the Coles mic almost as long as it's been a thing. A thing, yeah. I mean, I'm not the host of it or anything. Right. I, don't, I don't run it, but like, it's one of those things where it's like, who yeah. runs it now? Uh, my friend Rebecca O'Neill. Oh, she's and, hilarious. Yeah, and and Sarah Sherman, who is um, I don't know if I know Sarah. I yeah. might have seen her before, but I've seen Rebecca a few times, yeah. and I think she's absolutely so funny. She's one of my besties. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, she's she's easily one of the top comics in in the city. That's top, I don't top five, like, if if not top ten. That's amazing to hear from someone who sees a lot of comics here because every time I've seen her, I don't see as much stand up as you right. do, I'm sure. But like every time I've seen her play she's just like destroyed and i'm like are there other people that i just like don't know about just like destroying i'm sure there are and so that's the thing is like uh so that's a really good segue actually because yeah i was talking about how i got started and where i'm at now and yeah like i'm not 
I wouldn't even call myself like one of the top comics in Chicago because I'm not like getting most of those paying gigs or right. working at the clubs. I'm I'm doing stuff all the time. I have shows every week. Uh, sometimes you know too many in a day. You know. Yeah. But yeah. None of that stuff's paying me anything, by the way. So I yeah. don't feel like I'm bragging. Anyway. <laughs> oh, I I understand, dude. I've been doing improv and sketch comedy for six ish years yeah, here exactly. as well. So like, I get it. It's I very, very much get it's very it. Much the same. <laughs> but yeah, we'll have student. I do a show that like a bunch of students at Annoyance come to, and they're always oh, yeah. like. In, oh yeah, I've seen you over there mm-hmm. uh, on Thursdays, and they're always like in awe and like asking how long we've been together and like all this stuff. And like they, you know, they're so like wide-eyed and innocent. And I'm just like, I want to grab them and be like, this means nothing. Like- so that's exactly <laughs> what I was gonna say. I mean, like it, it's so crazy how you could be doing it for six years or more, and and. It's just kind of like, oh, I'm, I'm here. I'm definitely doing it. People right. book me for stuff, but like, I am not one of the top people doing it That's in this town, if I'm being realistic. Very much how I feel. And yeah. that, and, and it's funny, because yeah, I, I'll see people at shows, and they'll be like, wow, it, it must be so scary getting up there. I'm like, it's not scary. It's, no. it's an addiction. Like, I have to do it. <laughs> yes. And I'm not even good at it, really. So funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, students ask, like, or say the funniest things. They'll mm-hmm. just be like, oh, man. <sighs> You guys are so good. I don't even know how. You, and I'm like, it's just it, you literally just, just have to do it all the time. We've been doing it f- weekly for two years. Mm-hmm. Like, not to mention all the shit we do outside of that and right. before that. Right. <laughs> and so, yeah, there's a lot of people. I mean, I, I would say, yeah, anybody who's like, oh yeah, I like this one comic or I saw this person last month, is like. Oh yeah, so you probably missed them thirty other times when they probably did maybe different stuff every every so true. fifth time, you know. Yeah, I've and seen. I think I've seen Rebecca O'Neill like three times, mm-hmm. and I can't fathom how few of the shows that she's done in right. her career here oh, that God. actually represents. Right. You know, yeah. like less than one percent probably. Yeah. And I think she's been doing it like a year less than me. She's just that much. Like she's a she's a wonderkind. I think I remember someone telling me that, or maybe she like mentioned it in a set that I saw mm-hmm. and I was just like god damn yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she's just that good yeah yeah, yeah. And, but there are like tons of people like that in mm-hmm. Chicago you know and it's weird so you mentioned before we started uh, that like you feel like Chicago's comedy is a lot like is unique in a lot of ways like versus other scenes yeah I do um, I think that A big thing, I mean, you know, so the biggest thing is, like, we're in Chicago. We're, like, one of the biggest cities in the country. You know, I don't know if we're still the top three, if we're number three anymore, because, like, I don't know, Vancouver. If we're talking about North America, Vancouver or or Montreal, one of them is, like, overtaking Overtaking it. And, like, I think Houston's going to. I was going to say, I know there's a city in Texas that I feel like has been, like, exponentially increasing too. yeah i think it's used anyway it, it yeah but anyway we're we're a major market city with no kind of with a lot of theater and art and comedy but no industry for any of those like yeah. no like no mainstream television industry i mean or, before dick wolf started making shows here right what the fuck were we, people getting booked for yeah especially Nothing. like tv yeah i mean a lot of it's just commercials that yeah was, that was the biggest thing and that's like where i am right now i mean let's not Going i'm not disparaging it it's yeah yeah, that's yeah no this it's not even to like it's not to shit on anything because mm-hmm. like work is work getting paid is I, I would love to be uh even you know 
I need to start like submitting for more things like that mm -hmm. if it's something that I want to take seriously. Uh, but yeah, like I think about that a lot in terms of like all people like kind of, uh, you know, push out all the like, oh, there's another, you know, we got Chicago justice. Mm -hmm. uh, when are these going to end? But it's I'm like, like, hey, man, praise like, them. Yeah, like, like, <laughs> even if you don't like to watch it, like if you're in the art scene, you better be extremely happy that that kind of yes. stuff is happening now for the first time. Because like, A, that's a lot of money that, that comes into that stuff. And then people won't want it. When money is in the thing, people will want to invest more money in the thing to get more money out of it. That's just how it works. Yeah. And if there's no money to be made in Chicago for entertainment, then they, there won't be money for the performers either who stay in Chicago. And that was the biggest thing. And that's so, I, I think we, I don't know, I don't know how really, I can't, I couldn't tell you specifically what I think it is. And it kind of sounds like I'm just bragging, but like I feel like Chicago's had to like claw out an existence in the theater and the comedy, music, all those scenes uh, in a way that is different and divorced from the way that in New York and especially in LA right mm -hmm. like because you see so many people who are in LA and stuff who you know and this is not to say that they're bad I'm just sure. saying like they get seen more no, more quickly by people who have more clout and more money and more access and they get stuff because of it and and because the industry is out there right. you can start a job like you can be like okay i'm a i'm a musician or i'm an actor or i'm a stand-up comedian and i can do a job that understands what that is right. like i can work in a place where they know what that sure, is sure yeah and they that's care a about really that. good point I, I i didn't even consider that so even your nine to five job is not is not directly at odd like that's the thing about being an artist in the midwest i think is that like a lot of the time, your job and your life are directly at odds with what your performance is and what your art is and what your whatever, whatever your practice is. I didn't think about that at all, but there's so much truth to that. Yeah. I mean, how much of the workforce in L.A. is people trying to be actors? Right, like, exactly. I can't even fathom it. And I don't fault them for it. You got to eat. Right. But it's like, hey, if I want to be an actor and I work in a television production office, mm -hmm. That's they have great because they understand like if I say, hey, I really, really have to go on this audition, they at least understand that auditions are their bread and butter, too. So like, yeah, right. of course. But if you work in an IT company in Chicago and you go, hey, I got to go on this audition, they're like, yeah, you're fired then. Go ahead. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's no other. So you necessarily have to eke out this existence that's just different. And because of that, and, and we all kind of lead a double life, I think. Uh, yeah. Until you get to a level where you can make a living off of it here, whatever modest living you can make in Chicago doing stand up specifically, uh, working at the clubs and just doing shows every day, you still probably have to have a part time job during the daytime. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they don't necessarily care that you are a stand up at night, you know? So. Yeah. Yeah. I think something that uh, from that same um, Your Story show, um, Matt Young was kind of speaking to that same thing because he had just been in LA for a while uh, for stuff from his podcast. And one of the things he said that really struck me was like, I've met a lot of these people that we kind of like idolize in the comedy community. And they also, a lot of them work other jobs that they don't like. Like, yeah. so it's not even like there's, uh, I agree with you. Like, I think, it is uh, an important distinction that it's like they're working jobs probably that are a little more like that feed into the industry that they want to work in. Right. Whatever because there's is. just more jobs 
that are that right uh, because the industry is bigger and you know that's why the longer you're here the more people that you know in la right (laughs) because people end up bouncing i mean and that's exactly true and new york as well sure like especially in in stand-up comedy there seems to be like this high school metaphor and I, i think people use that for chicago yeah for chicago's well i don't know maybe it's in every scene but like um for us specifically, that metaphor gets like expanded to not just the weird social shit that happens and the clicking up. And oh, the, I see. Mm-hmm. That stuff happens, but also there's the, yeah, that four-year cycle or five-year cycle yeah. for a lot of comics. Not everybody follows this, but like a lot of people feel like, okay, if they've been doing it from their first time doing it to like when they're ready to like move and do something bigger, they a lot of people feel like it should be about four years. So once hmm. you're like a senior uh, in the scene, you're headlining all the time, you're doing, you know, at least one of the clubs, if not more, and then you kind of bounce if you get an opportunity to work, to write for a TV show, for instance, sure. or uh, fuck, be in a movie, or, yeah. you know, which are all things that I people I know personally, you know, have had happen over right. the course of the last couple of years. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what I was going to say, is like, in the last year or two, it's really struck me that the longer you're here, the more you start to know people personally who are accomplishing those things. Yeah. Like it, you know, I personally know dudes who like write Sandler movies and yeah. like, you know, the women on teachers and like right. and stuff like that. It's like, and, and it's, I, like I like I said this earlier about like just people you know getting agents and getting work here mm-hmm. all that stuff is heartening to me it's like right. oh people that I know are doing this thing so, like so exactly this and happens a lot of times people let that stuff like consume them and like get make them so jealous and like I get it yeah because like I'm I am I mean you know I'm a lazy dude <laughs> kind of like I feel I'm, you. I'm a very chill type of like person when it comes to like I don't need to be like meticulously planning every move that I make every single day yeah but I do have ambitions and I do have a general goal that I'm aiming everything that I have at right Mm -hmm. and you know I'm hopefully everything that comes out of that goes toward that goal and not away from it right I totally yeah so it's easy but it's easy to see somebody like have a meteoric rise who is like even if I think they're great, right. it's surprising that they got this thing, especially maybe sure. if they got this thing before me, right? Sure. Sometimes not even that, but just like, wow, you did that in a year? I It took me two years to do that, you know? Right. Uh, whatever. Uh, it makes, it, it's much more about like the person who has that feeling than it is about the person who accomplishes exactly. the thing. And I've realized that over time and I've gotten better at it in better about it specifically because it's like well instead of feeling jealousy i'll feel like hey a this is happening to a person i know Mm -hmm. that's like so like that proximity to that greatness is automatically a good thing for me because it means that oh yeah okay so this is not a completely far-fetched thing someone i was just chilling at the coffee shop with is now you know writing for tina fey like yeah yeah you know what i mean uh when john thibodeau got uh colbert um he uh was an original member of the nerdlocks yeah and i told i texted my mom and my dad and my brother immediately and was just like listen this dude who was in the sketch group that i'm in we weren't in the sketch group at the same time like i'm friends with john but like i didn't you know we weren't even our times in the group did not cross over but like the idea that someone who like someone's resume could have the same thing on it that mine did was like 
I felt like I had to tell my family, like, yeah, and, this and is a legitimate thing. Exactly. It's a legitimate thing. <laughs> yeah. And that's exactly the truth is that, like, I think, and, and I guess maybe, so that, like I said, the high school metaphor and the, like, when somebody graduates and then they come back and they're now yeah. famous, it's, like, super dope, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but but the other thing that I think happens that is maybe you, a little more unique in this scene than than in New York or LA specifically, but I think other smaller towns, smaller cities uh, that have comedy scenes like probably do this too. Is that like we kind of hold each other up all the time, and we support each other a lot more. I think, and it's not perfect. There's a lot of like I, like I said, there's still jealousy, People there's still salty. drama, yeah. and that still happens. But like, let's be real, like. Even if you have a sold out show at the hideout in Chicago, a lot of those people are going to be friends of yours, you yeah. know, who, are, who are comics, not just like civilian friends of Absolutely. yours. Absolutely. Because they're paying you money to help you do this thing. And, and, and that's great. But it's also like it does. It makes it when you really think about that, it means that it doesn't matter because all if all of us blew up, like if that building blew up, that'd be the end of the comedy scene. Yes. And there just wouldn't be comedy anymore because yeah. we're all there. Yeah, I. I like I I heard an improviser make a joke before that we were all just passing around the same $20 bill. Yes. <laughs> totally. And I was like, damn. And like the, And the other thing, the other thing that's hilarious about that specifically is the flip side is like the only kind of other jobs that you can get when you're in like the the scenes, these these industries is in the other industry that they call the industry, right. which is the service industry. So yeah, yes. a lot of times you run a show at this bar because oh, you happen to be friends with this comic who works at, at this that bar. bar. So, so you get, true. and then they do the same thing at the bar you fucking work at or yeah. the coffee shop. You know? Yeah, it's like You're, I I remember there was this woman who came to our show at Annoyance for like a long time as a student, and I thought she was hilarious. Um, and then uh, I. Uh, was at Dima's in Wrigleyville and mm-hmm. she was working there behind the counter and I was like, Tiff, what's up, my girl? Like, and we just like caught up a little and then, you know, she gives me my slice and she's like, no, 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 like your money's no good here, you nice. know? And it's like, it's just, it's like, that was basically like goods in exchange for services, mm-hmm. you know? Like I mm-hmm. ran a show that she like frequented as a student. Hell yeah. Uh, it didn't cost her anything to get in and my pizza didn't cost me anything. Yeah, but like, <laughs> but, but yeah, that's exactly it. It's yeah. like we're all out here and we see each other like right. that. Um, I, yeah, I can't tell you how many times I'm like my server when I'm, you know, out. Is, is someone that I'm like, oh, you're doing my show next month. Like, yes. You know what I mean? That's awesome. Um, but That's so true. I didn't think about that in the sense that like the, it keeps booze in your belly and uh-huh. food on your table. That just passing because... around the $20 bill thing is so much more literal when you realize that like, <laughs> yes, the, the performers are giving or the audience members who are also performers are giving the performers on stage money and then they're also giving it back the next time they see them. But also all the drinks and the food we get are just it's us probably too. coming from. Yes. <laughs> so that yes. $20 bill is literally just getting passed around. Yes. The, the bar scene. Yeah. So yeah man yeah there's so much truth to that and uh i never i guess it makes a lot of sense that that is much more of a a chicago thing is i think it's like it's just so oversaturated Mm -hmm. with like live shows right which is great for performers but not great for audiences right i mean it's and it's not really great for performers either because the uh 
surfacing that shit becomes like so much harder, you know? Yeah. And and being really good at promo, I think. So, you know, a lot of people talk about how like social being good at social media has become like the main thing about being an artist, uh, especially a visual artist, because you got to be on Instagram. Sure. You got to be on blah, 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 blah. Definitely. Blah. But like also I think that becoming really good at doing promo is like absolutely paramount now to being a live performer of any kind yeah uh an actor a stand-up comic uh, uh yeah yeah producing mm-hmm. is is i think people kind of overlook it yeah because you can the show as a product is something that you can think a lot about and then have a fantastic lineup mm-hmm. of great comics who work well together because this guy and this guy right. they have similar perspectives but this guy's different and it brings up the and energy you can spend all this time on the, and then yeah. nobody fucking comes like nobody not even you know what i mean like nobody comes to the show and what you know what was the point you know yeah it's happened to me and i've had shows that got canceled because of it and i was like i still stand by how dope this show is i was at a canceled improv show last night mm-hmm. like it just it's like sometimes people who uh like know um who i know from like college or mm-hmm. or high school or whatever will like get in touch with me and be like man i'm so inspired that like you're doing this and blah blah, blah. and like it goes back to that like it means nothing right. like it, it's a fun thing that i do and until someone is paying me to do it and there are actually people at these shows right. then it it doesn't like I appreciate the sentiment. I really do. When mm-hmm. people tell me that, it's like, man, you know, that's a good booster. But my response is usually like, Thanks, man. It's hard. Yeah. Like it is it, it's not like I'm out here it's like in fun. front of sold out shows. Yeah. Like, yeah, you have and to even find then, it's a- not fun. Like that's the thing. It's not all I mean, it is fun. But like, like there's nothing more fun than like being on stage. Sorry to it derail no, you, no, but no. Uh, I was, that, I was and having thought. a great time right like and and having a really good show and really because it's not just about you i mean it is to a degree because we're all narcissists probably yeah but like when you get up there and you have a really great show and you connect with the audience and they leave after having a great time that's also a really dope feeling totally so yeah that's fun but like you you gotta get you there. chase that yeah, yeah that's like that's Eight, the yes dragon. yes that's also true you got to get there. You got to get on that stage, which is its own set of, you know, is, is a hill of beans to climb because <laughs> right. you got to you got to prove to people that prove to people that run shows, all the gatekeepers that you're worth booking and then get booked and then have that show be good. And then, you know, or produce your own show and have that show be good and have people get asses in the seats. And then you got to do well after all that. You right. know, you got to do well in front of those people. And then if you do, if somehow all that shit lines up, you like you said, you are chasing that fucking dragon forever. And most of the time is not going to be as good as the times when it's good. No, so many people have. And I'm sure this kind of thing probably has a a relationship in stand up. But I've one of my first improv, my first like real improv coach. Um, told us at some point during rehearsal that improv is so much more about hit ratio than mm-hmm. it is about pretty much anything else. Like, wow. if you're good, then it's how often are you good? Right. Like, a lot of people can stumble into being good, but if you do it a lot and you're only good one out of ten times, mm-hmm. that sucks. Yeah, like, consistency you're is bad. 
that means you're only a tenth as good as you're getting booked for. Right, yeah, right. You should only be getting booked on, you know, you should figure out some other way to get better. But yeah, so yeah, consistency is huge. Um, and yeah, I mean, shit, there are specifically in the stand-up scene, specifically in Chicago, there's probably 500 people. Like, literally, the number is probably around 500 of people who go to open mics. Who are really fucking doing it. Well, I'm not, no, no. Really doing it is not nearly that high. Really it's, trying to do it. Yeah, they're like, you know, and um, That's what I, I mean. five, 500 is my least conservative number, right? I'm saying, like, all the people who have ever gotten it in their mind to go to open mics and has gone 10 times and that's and what I meant is still like, doing it yeah, today. trying to trying to keep going yeah like the number of people who are like actually like seriously you getting booked and stuff or even before, before that, that so the people who are like actually okay I can see this person's actually got somewhere to go it's more like you know 200 and I then, see, yeah, and then yeah. out of that, you know, and this is not, there's no shade to anybody. No. It's just, this is how it is, man. Like, there's 200 people all vying for about 50 slots. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. On, I, if, on even local shows that don't pay anything, you know? Yeah. Man, if you talked about that where improv was concerned, the numbers would be like depressingly higher. Mm-hmm. It would be like, it would be, well, the number of people actually like, you know, doing at least one if not more than one like weekly improv show right and uh and then like the number maybe the number of people who are actually any good at it might be like less of a fraction Mm -hmm. of that Mm -hmm. just because it goes back to that that hit ratio thing like yeah yeah, i think you really have to like every almost every time you step on stage people are like oh they're pretty good you know yes and that that's that becomes necessary to differentiate you between the other open micers exactly until you're not an open micer you are just an open micer yeah or not even you know just somebody who hangs out and and that's fine but like you got to you have to at some point that's what i was talking about like finding your place in the scene it's not just like yeah i'm i'm a decent writer and i'm decently funny so i'll get booked it's like you got to find a spot to you got to find a lane to occupy and hopefully there's less than two other you know there's less than two people in that lane including you because if you if you find something that really works for you and someone's already doing it and you better hope that you've been doing it longer than them that's so true you yeah know what I mean? my friend paul is like well i'll never be on snl until bobby moynihan leaves I mean, <laughs> it's, like, it's not you know it's no shit no shit it's like that's actually yeah, true like, yeah yeah they don't need that's another like how the industry works yeah they don't need another jovial chubby guy because right. they got one and that's not to say that there's not different voices for that it, that's just how that mainstream stuff works. It's exactly. so superficial. Exactly. Um, and and believe me, I've run into the problem because, you know, I don't know if you can tell, audience, <laughs> but I happen to be black. <laughs> I'm black and we can move on. Uh, and, but, you know, and I'm and I wear glasses. Right. And I really I mean, I can not I can not wear glasses. But like if I wanted to be like acting, you know, I kind of need them. Right. Uh, but they want me to kind of not have them, right? Yeah. Uh, it gets even as granular, granular as that. And then, like, so I know that I've uh, missed out on opportunities or not gotten asked to even audition for things because there's, an- there's another person in the scene who does very similar things to, uh, I mean, in, not, not in terms of our comedy, but in terms of, like, hey, this is what I'm trying to do with my life. Sure. And we don't get, we don't both get asked to do stuff. Of course. It's either this person or me. Yeah. 
Yeah, when but I not both. when I was like submitting my biggest chunk of like uh you know headshots and resumes to agents, um I saw this uh woman that I uh that I an improv team with who's like a petite redheaded woman and mm-hmm. I was like, "Oof, just shouldn't submit to them." <laughs> like <laughs> like yep, they that got, may that they may be her. a fine agent, but uh I'm not like both of us aren't gonna get sent out. Like mm-hmm. they're only gonna send out one petite redhead exactly. for this shit. Exactly. And yeah, you yeah you want to get the opportunities to at least show that you can do stuff before they go like ah oh, we already got that right you know right right. Uh, how do you feel like um, that journey happens? Like how do you? What are the kind of like what's what are the things that have led you to go like oh this is what I want to be doing. Um, I I don't know, man. That's that's been about as like, you know, a meandering a road. Pretty nebulous. Yeah, I know it's a tough question. But I got to it. I mean, it's it's not that I don't have any answers. Just that like how I got to the place where like yeah, I I could do voice acting. Yeah, I could do whatever and do stand up and that stuff is like, you know, I didn't even realize I really wanted to do stand up until. A, my friend told me to stop telling her the same story every week because she was sick of it. So funny. And that if I wanted to tell the same story all the time, I could join a band or do stand-up. That's so funny. And then, yeah, Cameron Esposito being like, hey, why aren't you doing stand-up? You clearly want to. And then, yeah, so I don't even, I didn't even know I wanted that, to be honest with you, until I wanted it. And then, you know, once you get to a place where it's like, okay, you I'm finding your voice, people talk about that all the time, but mm-hmm. it, it's a real thing. It's like, what do I want to be talking about and how do I want to go about talking about it? That's a really like succinct way to sum up what that means. Yeah, yeah. because it's it's an it's an esoteric term like when people say like, "Oh, he really found his voice." And it's like Right. Because your voice ca- has to be unique. Right. It's necessarily you it I mean, you know, with stand up especially, I mean, other things maybe not as much like you could be an actor who's just like, oh, he's a younger this guy. Or sure, she, yeah. She just looks like a new age Marilyn Monroe or whatever, yeah. because that's all. It's a. It's so much based on look. But mm-hmm. like, stand up's not really based on look. I mean, a lot of people get a lot of stuff because of that. But like, when mm-hmm. it comes to just pure stand up, who's good and who's bad is de- is determined on you know what their voice is and how they choose to show it. And, yeah, yeah. And it's like if you're gonna do a whole like set about bacon where you also have like an internal monologue that's spoken outwardly exactly like, we got that guy yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. and like you know don't make it fake obviously right. i mean well some people do some people do characters and that's fine but sure. like I, I all i mean by that is like don't just be like oh i gotta be a little bit tweaked of this guy like, yeah like i want to be jim gaffigan but i'll be like a dirty jim gaffigan yeah, and there are people who do that i mean you you wouldn't be you'd be amazed how many like uh mitch hedberg oh clones sure there are out there, you that know? i feel like that's like that is a type at an open mic mm-hmm. is the guy who listened to a ton of mitch hedberg and, that, and like stephen wright and was like i'm into this i want to do this and mm-hmm. look i couldn't fault you for that because that's why i listened to bill cosby i mean yeah. so like that's what I. Oh, I love Mitch Hedberg. That's what I did too. Yeah, me too. Yeah, but but like, you got to find what you can do. What's that's your, not that right? Once you are there, because if you just stay doing Mitch Hedberg, 
jokes forever, then people are like, eh, that guy sucks. Yeah, and, and right. It, that's another big, like, if you are trying to do those little one-liners, then that's, like, a major hit ratio. Like, mm-hmm. if you do 10 one-liners and only one of them hits, right. maybe you shouldn't do one-liners. Exactly. <laughs> maybe you should just do that one-liner, that right. one that hits. Right. As a as a as a break between two other things, exactly. Because, yeah, you don't. Yeah, don't don't go up there and be like, I'm gonna read 15 headlines, and then you have two good headlines. Yeah, it's like, nah, homie, that's bad news. Yeah, uh, get your get your shit together. <laughs> so once you had been doing stand up for a while, mm-hmm. um, and I would assume, uh, I know, like, I've thought about this a lot more uh, in in terms of like. Um, show writing and like filmmaking um, where like it seems like the bit the first big project that people do is like the thing they had to get out of the way you know what I mean it's like a probably a pretty personal story sure you know like Mike Birbiglia's uh, my girlfriend's boyfriend or even yeah. like uh, Cam and Rhea doing um, take my wife yes. like it, Which is great, by the way. It, I haven't seen it yet, and I need to. I, I haven't seen the whole thing, but everything I've seen of it so far has been great. So. I, yeah, I've only seen like the promo stuff, um, and I, I actually was going to start watching it last night, um, but I had to go to an improv show that got canceled. Awesome. <laughs> just, um, none of this matters. Right. It doesn't and, matter. And, and even the parts that feel like crappy don't matter, too. They also yeah. don't matter because like all that stuff – is either training you to do something or it super doesn't matter because if it if it wasn't you know if it wasn't good and it wasn't worth it then it it, then it, it super stop didn't matter doing it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. but but i mean it's, it's not worth even getting mad about yes or that's being a hurt really about. good point because yeah. if it didn't if it was bad and it didn't help like it didn't teach you anything in the best case scenario it would be Roll it off. at least good yeah sure and that in the in the best best case, it's like it's good, and you got something out of it. Like it led you to- closer to whatever your goal is, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I guess that's why I kind of started speaking to like the thing you had to get out of the way. Cause I, I like wrote a show that was like semi personal uh, over last summer, mm-hmm. and like it was very fun, and I enjoyed doing it, and I feel like the cast was great, and yeah. like the people who saw my friends who saw it legitimately were like that was good, you know, like. Yeah. But those are the only people who saw it. Right. And like if <laughs> I were more like invested in, you know, if I thought that a bunch of people seeing it would have actually led to something, mm-hmm. then it would probably bum me out more than right. the reality of it, which is that even if I had done that show for a full house for the run, it still wouldn't have meant anything. You right. know what I mean? Right. So like it's it's kind of a gift and a curse that we're struggling for audiences. And and that we yeah, it is a gift and a curse and that that actually wow, that's a a point I was going to make earlier. I forgot about it and you brought it right back around to it. Um it is a gift and a curse because the other thing that I think makes us different is we have more room to experiment because yes. we don't have agents in the room every time we do a show, right? Right. Um, and there's a lot of sp- alternative, quote unquote, spaces 
to do. I mean, you know, I've done shows in a living room. I've done yeah. shows in a backyard. I've done shows in a in a literally a garage. Yeah. So like in attics, you know, yeah. everywhere, and then and also in two hundred seat theaters, right? And, and that were obviously not full. So chill out. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like at the Laugh Factory where everyone's there, they have to have a they have to buy two drinks. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah exactly. Um, yeah, and and so you have like in a space like that you can do the weird stuff right for like you sure can, you can really stretch out your w- like when i say like find your lane just because it's a lane doesn't mean it has to be super narrow it just has to be something that you can personally occupy very well right mm-hmm. and your lane can be super wide on one you know super different on one side than it is on the other mm-hmm. uh and if you if it works for you and if it's authentic if it feels authentic to the audience and feels authentic to you so you can keep it up right um so i don't know i feel like we get a lot more leeway here i'm not the first person to say this i mean you 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 probably know this as well i've heard this said before too Mm -hmm. um is that like yeah we we don't i wouldn't want to be in a room where okay i'm a i know i'm a good comic i got booked on this show Oh shit! Dave Chappelle just walked in, and now I have I'm I'm held to a completely different standard yeah. than what I was expecting. Especially if it's like a oh this was a character show. I wasn't even doing my normal stuff, right? But now I'm that like because that's right. like okay. So now I got written up in the fucking AV club, right? And and I was just some also ran that was like I did a pretty decent impression of Barack Obama that day and like that's all I am now you know yeah. what I mean and I've not even I'm not even I don't do whatever I didn't, I didn't why am I who am I explaining this to like I didn't do impressions of Barack Obama uh, it was just a uh, for instance yes for instance <laughs> yeah uh that's yeah but really that's good. that's like a that's like a lot of weight you know and, yeah and I don't fault him I mean I don't I don't uh I don't envy that as, as on the bad side because it's a double-edged sword right so mm-hmm. as much as that happens and you're not prepared or you're doing something weird when you're on and you're ready and somebody walks in that room it's just like the night when i met my agent like right that, if that could happen once a week that would also be dope yeah but like only at the shows where i want it to happen please yeah right right, right. So, here ratios man you gotta yeah. be good all the time because you don't know when shit happens right but yeah. we but we get lucky in that like even when we do our weird stuff for each other then sometimes someone comes up with a show where that weird stuff is more useful than it would be and it fits better sure and so you can try that shit out again at a different place right like, and it know. maybe like fits in the lineup or exactly. is is a good like reprieve or whatever it is exactly um i do feel like uh there's something to that uh, like I, I think for me, at, at least anyway, it goes back to that idea of like you have to find what makes it feel good for you, and like mm-hmm. I, I think that's that's what you're talking about too with like the finding your lane kind of stuff. But right. it's like no one is going. There's nothing that does that for you. Like no, it, <laughs> no, it's not the full house that you get booked at every week right. that makes you feel good about what you're doing in right. this community. Yeah. Cause, okay. So does this happen? I guess this probably happens in 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 what you, in your scenes too. Is it like, uh, yeah, the negative stuff or like the shitty stuff 
kind of like feels like oh fuck why am i even doing this and then the good stuff is like that felt great and then like by the time you get to the front door of the building that the show was in you're ready to be like okay i have to do something better now because this is not making me happy i thought this was gonna make me happy but it's not making me happy at all what's happening why am i not happy yeah for sure for sure for sure and i think um you know with some people more than others and and i think that you just from my perspective you have to kind of listen to those things it's Mm -hmm. like if you just crushed it at something and you still don't feel good then like maybe you're doing the wrong thing or 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 you're just not doing the the right thing for like to get that happiness that you're looking for it Mm -hmm. never was the comedy like i love doing comedy comedy does not make me happy (laughs) you know what i mean like this constant struggle is something i have to do to not go insane but i also know that it's only gonna keep me from going insane like it's never gonna make me like truly serene and just like put my hands behind my head and like yeah i got it because whatever i got there's something above that and i'm gonna want that as soon as i get there oh my god i have realized that (laughs) like so much over the last like couple of years Mm -hmm. you know after graduation I guess you know (laughs) like I have realized that so so much like the more that I know those people who are like getting stages and you know getting opportunities in other cities those people still look up everybody looks up right you know like it and that was like a huge realization for me. It was like, those aren't be all end alls. Like yeah. everyone is looking up. So you just never have to stop. You and have to never stop looking up. Right. And you can be content with like, okay, I now whatever I'm doing is making me enough money to be like chill and survive on, on just this and only, only doing jobs that I want to do. Right. Uh, and you know, not having to work at an, a coffee shop unless you want to work at a coffee right. shop, you know? Um, but like for me personally, it's like, oh, re- the realization that like comedy is not therapy and what I needed was therapy. And so, you know what I mean? Like I, I was like, I don't want to pay for therapy. Maybe I'll go to comedy. Maybe I'll start doing comedy instead. And literally coming out of a comedy show one time going like, this was supposed to make me feel better. And I feel mm. worse. And now, I'm, now I feel bad about myself. And I have a whole new list of other comedians I want to kill. You know That's what I mean? That's so funny. So it's like realizing that was uh was a huge thing and it's like well okay so then do i like you said is this something you actually want to be doing it's like oh yeah no no never that, no that's i like not this like that's it the problem isn't that i don't want to do i this. just also have to be a full human and Man. this isn't one this isn't the only thing that's going to make me a full <sighs> human i have to i have to do therapy and exercise too it so. can like can we like put that on a billboard outside of like io or something <laughs> like and just yeah. be like y'all if you feel bad comedy ain't gonna make it better <laughs> right comedy only makes it better for the audience right and even that's not true and the and the, the funny thing is um i almost mentioned this like a a, a couple of minutes ago uh i I like to listen to Pete Holmes's You Made It Weird, mm-hmm. especially if I really like the guest. And uh, this week he had Seth Rogen on, and I was like, oh, fuck yeah, I'll listen to this. And uh, there was a moment in it where Pete was like, doesn't it make you feel great to know that when people watch your movies, it makes their lives just a little bit better? Like, it puts a little bit more joy into their lives. Sure. And Seth Rogen was like, honestly, No. and it like it like shocked me and it was so that's crazy it was so like refreshing he was like that's not why i do this right he was like i don't need like i do this because once i found out comedy was a thing that could be your job that's all i wanted same and i was like 
damn, like, that's fucking real talk. And, like, I don't know if I'm like that. Like, part of it is for me that part of the joy, I am a person who, uh, by the grace of something, uh, probably privilege, has a <laughs> lot of joy. Like, I, I possess joy in my life, and I like the idea that... <laughs> Thank you for saying probably <laughs> privilege. Hey, man. I'm not going to let that go un, un, unrewarded. Uh, you're welcome. Um, I, I'm, I'm not, like... That was so funny. I have to... I think that's the problem is like people have to start acknowledging shit like that. And sure. I'm not too proud to say that. Yeah, me too. I, 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 I'm with you on that. Uh, so it, it's, that's probably a big part of it. It is that like I, and also like, I don't think I struggle with a lot of the same, like, um, uh, like I don't, I, I get depressive, but I'm mm-hmm. not a depressed person, mm-hmm. you know? Like, I get anxious, but I'm not a generally anxious person. And oh. those, <laughs> right? Yeah, those are, like, we're different in that rare regard. things. That's what I'm saying. Those are pretty rare things in this community. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't mean to, like, you know, fucking toot my horn or anything, but part of it is for me that, like, if I get all this it feels selfish for me to keep it. Like, part of it is for me to give it to other people. And then in turn, like, of course, that shit makes me feel good. You know what I mean? (laughs) So, so hearing him say that, I was like, wow. Uh, And when I, when I told my uh, boyfriend that story, he was like, oh, I relate to that. Like, he feels exactly the same way about being a writer as Seth Rogen does. He's like, I don't do it for anyone but me. Right. And I was like, and that is a thing that we are different at, you know? Yeah, that's fair. I mean, you know, honestly, like I don't feel super different than that. It's just that the, the chosen field that I, that I have or that I'm doing it in is like, it requires the audience to be there. Right. And that's like the difference between like making movies and (laughs) shit is like, sure. That movie got made, whether the audience comes to watch it or not, but like, it's kind of like a requirement for a standup comedy that there's an audience. Cause really you're not, your voice is not the instrument. You know what I mean? Like your jokes are not the instrument. It's a dialogue, not a monologue. Yeah. The audience is the instrument you're playing you're making them laugh. That's the right. thing that's that's weird is like you don't say like I you know you say I got him to laugh, but you just, most of the time you say I made that person laugh. Right. It's involuntary. Yes. If they do, if you're doing it right, that person's not choosing to laugh. They are doing it out of you know out of complete uh, biological like imperative. Right. right? Which is why. Uh, uh, two short things, which is why, like, the longer that you're in the comedy community, the more people will say things like, that's funny, as opposed to yes. laughing. <laughs> yes. Because it it's, it is not you making that person laugh. It is, like... Just them recognizing that, like, okay, I could see how that would work. Exactly. Yeah. That is funny, you know? Yeah, it's more like when someone tells you a joke and you don't, like, you're another comedian or whatever, another writer, and they say say it to you or you or they just come up with it in the moment and you right. say, that's funny. Uh-huh. It's like looking at a piece of music before it's <laughs> finished and going, like, oh, I can see where you're going with that. Right. That's what it means. Yeah, is all. yeah, listening to a demo or whatever Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's and like, then... I don't think this is good, but, like... All right, this didn't make me go dancing immediately, right. but like, 
if you I do see. it right, it could it Where could. Where it's headed, yeah. yeah. And then uh, a thing that Rhea Butcher's been doing a lot on Put Your Hands Together is telling the audience that they can't do a recovery after a really funny set, mm-hmm. like when they're like laughing a lot. Mm-hmm. And she'll take the stage as the host and she like feels the audience go like, <sighs> And she's like, y'all feel that? That's because y'all just laughed a bunch. Try it out. Try not recover it. You mm-hmm. can't do it. You can't. And that's mm-hmm. the difference between like making someone laugh versus a, a false like yeah, yeah. sense, a false like, like that a is funny. Yeah. Yes, yeah. a courteous. A yeah, yeah. Reaction. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Just so that some there, because believe me, I, I especially when I was a kid, I had this problem where like I just want, even if you don't think it's funny, give me some kind of reaction. Because if you just don't react at all, then I'm just gonna keep repeating it until. Uh, so you have some kind of reaction. Right, right, right. I was way worse about that when I was a kid, but I, st- I still catch myself doing it from time to time where I like oh, I, say something amongst my friends. And I'm like, nobody, nobody? You, nothing, guys. Nobody heard that. And I repeat like, it. Yeah. <laughs> I said the beaver looks shaky. It's like, what is that? No one thought that was funny. Oh, it's still not funny. Okay, fine. I just uh, yeah. Just acknowledge that it wasn't funny, so I can stop saying it. Right. Yes. Yeah. At least I I feel like uh, with the nerdologs, it's gotten to a point where as long as someone's like, that's funny, or I heard you, mm-hmm. like that's all anyone's asking for yeah. when you do a bit. Oh, yes. <laughs> So it's so exhausting. That's uh, the thing about it. It's hilarious. Yeah, it's so like, like I'm self-aware about it and I hate when I do it. It's not like I'm like so I don't enjoy it. It's just like it comes so naturally to try and make people laugh that when I'm not it's like, "Oh, I ha- I have to try harder." And, right. And sometimes when you're trying really hard to make people laugh, they're noticing it and going like, "I'm just going to ignore it." It turns it off. And yeah. They'll, and they'll stop. And then you're like, "Oh, they're ignoring me, so I have to go louder." And so you're just <laughs> in this fucking tug of war. It's a nightmare. That's so funny. So, uh to me, I feel like that speaks to this like grander exhaustion surrounding it all, mm-hmm. too. You know, the the hustle so to speak yeah totally what would you say like your typical week has looked like over the course of like your time in chicago in terms of like where are you doing shows not where specifically but Mm -hmm. like how you know what do the numbers look like how much sleep do you feel like you actually are getting like oh man <laughs> when I was working a nine to five job, I can tell you that I think I slept probably about two hours a night. Holy shit! Two three hours, like at the end of, the, and then you know, and and I'm including the fact that like you, you, know, would stay you drink a shows. lot, yeah. yeah, yeah, you drink a lot, and, you, but that's and a- you're not getting real quality sleep even when you do get five hours of sleep. Sure. Um. So realistically, and then I also have like sleep apnea and shit like that. Really? Yeah, buddy. Uh, yeah. Well, listen, more than half Amer- of Americans do, so it's like. Most people just don't know. My dad does. I just, (sighs) yeah, I'm just lucky enough that I was sleeping with enough people that multiple women told me I snore too much. So I went to the doctor and they uh, (laughs) they convinced me that uh, I had a problem. (laughs) I've been trying to get, and I don't even think it's because he's, I've been trying to get my boyfriend to go to a, uh, I think it's, it was hilarious and it may have saved your life, you know? (laughs) Do you have a CPAP? (laughs) No, I don't have uh, a CPAP machine because I want to ever have sex again. Mm. And uh, I kept telling my doctor, I was like, let's do whatever the thing is after that, let's do that. Because I right. don't want to have the Darth Vader machine. Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks I, for finding me attractive to, enough to come home with me. Now that we're going to bed, I'm going good to. Good night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's fair. You know, it's just like. I think that's part of, uh, I think, and you know, we're like 
two and a half years in, but I think that's part of the reason why my boyfriend's never like looked into the fact that I think he has sleep apnea. Because mm-hmm. I, it's not even about snoring. It's like I'll hear his breathing Stop. when he's asleep. Yeah, and it stops. Yeah. Like he just like he will be like, <laughs> and yeah. I'm like. For you're a, not breathing for yeah uh i definitely yes yeah and the, the, like the it, yeah i don't know how we got on this topic but uh, uh oh, yeah oh, i, did, oh, I, I did, asked did, you like how much sleep you're getting f- i i never sleep enough right like i never sleep i never slept well enough especially when i had a nine to five right um and you know you do start to actually go crazy if you're yeah. like that Oof. sleep deprived yeah and it probably wasn't helping me be like good at my job which probably contributed to why I, you know i didn't want to be there and they didn't want me to be there yeah um i i, I think i sleep better now because i'm you know i don't have anybody to answer to except for myself when it comes to that stuff um but then again, I, ha- I I do need to get, you know, get out there and do things. And uh, yeah. I would say that my week is a lot more easy now, a lot, f- a lot more free, but it requires it requires a lot more of me, like focus. self-motivation. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not just focus, but like, you know, actually like no one's going to do it if I don't do it. Right. Like it's it, it's not like I'm not going to get yelled at by a boss for not promoting my next show or booking my the show that I that I produce. Or if I forget that I had a show, you know, and I don't get enough sleep and I feel groggy and hungover all day and I go to my next show and I'm still kind of hungover, no one's going to, you know, I'm not going to get fired. I may not get booked there again if I don't do a great yeah. job. But There's like, no accountability. So it's like absolutely you have to get twice as motivated as before to, to do that stuff for yourself. You know what I mean? Yeah. And... <laughs> that that is I would say that's my biggest struggle from day to day is just that is just staying motivated to do that stuff and not just like especially with everything else that's going on right now yeah like, good you know, lord uh, just to be like not to get like cause sometimes it feels like oh yeah I got this I have this BYOB comedy show at a bookstore like come to it oh and also the world is ending like I feel you, man. I feel you so hard. Yeah. Like, one of the reasons that I stay on social media is to be able to, like, put out my show yeah, and, like, promote my other shit. Yeah. And I hate it. Like, yeah. I hate it's a it. Chore. I hate, like, going on it and seeing that the world is going to shit. And I hate that I am, you know, the person who, like you said, is promoting their BYOB comedy show mm-hmm. amongst all of that. But yeah, it like, feels trite. It does. It totally does. But I feel like it's letting everything beat you if you don't keep doing it. You're right. <laughs> you know, that's yeah. that's like the only thing I've been able to tell myself is like, well, if I stop doing this, then the the like evil forces are right. consuming me. Right. And and also like, you know, this is going to sound super self-aggrandizing, but like <laughs> I realize that oh, this is all happening in a weird timely manner with everything else, right? Like this year. Sure. <laughs> Where like you chose 2016 to be well, you didn't quite choose it, but 2016 happened to be the year that like this started coming to a head for it, you. It all, yeah, it started coming to a head that I I didn't want to be just like a corporate work a day guy, right? Like I didn't ever, I never really liked that. Even before I did comedy, there was something always nagging at me about that, you know. Uh, and so once I realized that, and then 
and then kind of getting confirmation that like, oh yeah, you should be doing more performance stuff. And here's a company that's willing to put their weight behind you yeah. doing that. That was like a, you know, a good indication of like a good little ego boost. Yeah. At I least mean, temporarily. that's, that's one then, thing that can be accountability. You yeah. know, it's like, you can't miss that audition because it looks bad on right. your agent. That's like true. that's, there's in a world where we're finding we're trying to suss out ways to to make ourselves heard uh, is one thing that actually you know you have a person to answer to in some yeah. ways yeah that's true but also like uh <laughs> i guess like realizing that a lot of the other things that i was doing didn't matter to me as much as like what's happening in the world sure maybe that's like a thing right and i had sure. already become a comic where like i want to talk about stuff that's important sure and not just you know not just write jokes that are that are silly and fun right but like actually talk about stuff like gender equality and yeah. and, and and uh you know mental illness and stuff yeah, like that um once I realized that I wanted to do that anyway, and then all this stuff started happening, and I was also like looking for my next thing mm -hmm. and not having a full time job, it was like, oh, maybe I'm supposed to be. Uh, maybe this yeah. is all like I'm not that guy. Like I'm super not the like. Uh, it all happens for the a stars reason. are aligning. Yeah, I'm not yeah. that guy, but like sometimes you know you fall into a thing and you're like, oh, this was probably always supposed to happen. Yeah, you know, like this was this was always what I was tumbling toward without knowing it. Yeah, you know, damn, I I I really know what you mean because I don't feel like I'm that person either. Uh, but I've been um, listening to the audiobook of. Um, the War for Late Night, the mm -hmm. book like covered Conan and, and Leno mm -hmm. and that whole debacle. And I was just listening to this whole chapter on like Conan's kind of like rise uh, to getting late night. And he, and it says in there like more than once that like when he was writing on The Simpsons, uh, he felt like something was like about to happen. Mm -hmm. Like he, he like knows it sounded crazy and he like couldn't put his finger on it. And it was like a very nebulous, weird feeling, sure. but he he was like, something is about to happen. And yeah. then uh, Leno got The Tonight Show and Letterman left NBC and he was like, well, I can't, I'm not going to be, I'm not, it's not going to be me. Right. Like I am a writer for The Simpsons. Right. Like he was nobody. Right. And then like, his sister worked for an agent who, like, uh, you know, an email came across their desk that, mm -hmm. like, Lauren uh, Michaels got signed to produce or, like, to put together the talent right. for the show to replace Letterman's. Right. And it was like, well, you know, like, I've got good standing with Lauren. Mm -hmm. Like, maybe something's going to happen. Like, it was just, I, I started getting emotional because I was like, damn like it's a, it, it goes back to for me this thing does happen like yeah. people do get to fucking realize a people who dream. are literally living in my neighborhood who i was at the same show with last night you yeah know? i was doing a show recently and yeah someone got an email that they are you know getting a writing gig for a television show like no while we were shit. at the show you that's know? crazy and that was dope and yeah you know, like i that stuff does happen and yeah. you just got to be like, it's weird because you got to, people say, like, oh, you got to just be ready for opportunity to knock. But it's like, seriously, you got to keep working all the time because 
the moment you stop is seriously like when it, it immediately starts to fall back. Like mm-hmm. you're not making progress unless you're actively making progress. Yeah. And that's something I have to remind myself about. Like I just I just just said that just now, but like even I need to remind myself that all the time. Oh yeah. I mean, yes, absolutely. I that is my own worst enemy for mm-hmm. sure. Is is that like I could sit on the couch and like watch Netflix sure. and feel no pain, you know, like right. if that. Well, for me, yeah, totally. I totally get that. But like for me, it's more like I could start a Netflix movie and go like, nah, this is bullshit. I need to be out and seeing people. Oh, uh, sure. And, and going and doing stuff feels like the same thing as me doing something for myself. You know, like go, going and being out and being social and all that stuff. And sometimes that does help, you know, I'm greasing those wheels. Totally. And, and making those connections. I'm very stuff. guilty of that, too. Yeah. I think that's actually something that Chicago, like, lures people into thinking they're doing stuff. Yeah, totally. Because it, there is an, like I said, because we we kind of hold each other up. And, like, a lot of a lot of stuff that's successful in this scene isn't successful while, without other things happening in the same, in the scene, right? Yeah. Like, without other people supporting it. And, you know that's a big deal right like right. and so you, you got to cultivate that stuff in some ways uh whether you know whether some people just want to be like i could i'm just funny i want to be funny and put my head down and then go home yeah yeah like, yeah but at the same time you can do that but at the same time you're gonna get more people noticing you if you talk to them you know what i mean yeah. like uh after the show yeah uh yeah totally um is there anything that's a part of this conversation uh, that you'd feel remiss if you didn't mention it? You know, when you were thinking about talking about this uh, before mm. we came, was there stuff that you were like, man, I got to talk about X, Y, Z? Uh, no, I mean, I think we got a lot of what I'm talking about because, like, you know, I like I said, I'm not by any stretch of it. It feels like we're, like, interviewing me before I do some big thing, and it's like maybe maybe I'm about to, and this is all part of it. <laughs> Yeah. So keep this for archives. And right. And then right. when I blow, you can be like, I had him I right beforehand. He uh, talked about the struggle and then he broke through <laughs> and then he'll continue to look upward from that position forever. <laughs> <laughs> I will never even remember this night because I'm never looking back. Yep. 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 Uh, no, I no, I just think that, you know, I, I would say that people should support life like live performance in general live comedy especially and uh you know it's easy to be like go to one thing and just pick it because it's like i want to see we are going out to see some comedy right and uh and then just go to whatever and then be like okay that was okay i'm glad we did that we don't have to do that again for a year right it's like i mean if you can if you have the means and you have the time like maybe skip you know a couple a couple netflix nights it's always and gonna go, be there and go yeah exactly because that's not going anywhere i mean even that's not true because uh, licensing oh, net neutrality uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. yeah yeah and also yes it might not be there at all netflix may be gone next month we don't know yeah yeah literally we don't know what's gonna happen right all. oh god uh, who knows yeah that's another thing this will be a nice little time capsule yeah right. for the day before it is the day before uh uh, that that event that I'm not gonna watch it all tomorrow. No, um, not a second. Not even a little bit. Nope. Um, and that's like a commitment, right? Like as, that's another thing. Like as a comic and as a person who has to do, like do social media and yep. be a performer and be a writer, 
people look at your tweets. Yeah. When there's like big events or like the Golden Globes, people. I don't. I I made a point not to live tweet stuff like that because that's just not the format of that I'm good at. Or if I if something comes to me, I'll write it. But like I don't sit there and go like, wow, look at that person's dress. It's blah, blah. It's that dress makes her blah 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 blah. You totally know, I don't agree. Do that. That's how I am. It's like if I do tweet about something like that, it's gonna be one joke that yeah. I thought was pretty funny. Right. When I was watching it, or like you know when I read about it later or something right. like that. I'm definitely not like a, a string of tweets kind of person. And and that's you know that's the, it's funny that you have to make that conscious choice now. Right. And and that be a part of it. Like right. I have to. I'm not making the choice just for like my mental health. Although that's part of it. Sure. Yes. God. Care. Yes. I just don't want to. I don't care. Uh, and but part of it is like, oh, I have to choose. I'm choosing to not get content out there at a time when a lot of people will be looking at it. Yeah, that's uh, interesting. And if I had, if I fire, like, because it is true that if you fire off that one tweet and it gets, vi- it goes viral enough sure. that all of a sudden you got a hundred more followers and yeah. whatever, who cares? Yeah, it's like uh, there was somebody who had a really funny tweet about Young Pope and they're like a comedy writer. I don't remember yeah. who it was, but the tweet was like one of the late night hosts used it, like showed it to Jude Law right. when they were on, on their show, yeah. you know? And so it's like that person got so much visibility. Right. I mean, it was it was a great, it was, uh, take me down to the Vatican City where the Pope is young and the tone is gritty. <laughs> that's that's a, pretty good. That's a beautiful tweet. That's like, pretty good. And that's but all that's I said. that's like just referential. It you is, know? you're it's right. Referential, referential humor. Exactly, it is, it is. Um, but like, that's what, you know, half of Twitter is either like sure. references or wordplay. Sure, totally. You know, like if you can make a great tweet that's not one of those things, like more power to you. Yeah. Hey. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> right? I mean, I'm not even like, I'm not even faulting people if that is what they're doing. Uh, I, that's it. I totally agree. It's yeah. just not what I do. You right. know, it's not, it's not my style. So it's like so hard to like, it's so hard to want to do that. And then the added like outside pressure of like, oh, this is. Yeah. It's like. The inauguration, a lot of people will be looking for. The memification tweets. of jokes, I but, would say. Uh, yeah. No thanks. Yeah. It's um, not, not really my jam either, but. But man. yeah, man, go go Hardwick out. built a career on it, so. True, true. <laughs> hey, that dude's and, rich as hell now. Yeah, and at midnight is actually a pretty fun show to watch. Yeah, so. like, I, and that's I mean, literally what that show is about. Totally, and I I love at midnight for the same reason that I love that Dick Wolf started making Chicago shows. Exactly. Like, there's people, you know, the fact that I got to watch Beth Selling be on at midnight is like. Fuck yeah. Yeah. People should be watching Best Selling Make Jokes. Yes. Like, I just saw Best Selling last week. Uh, I was so out of town. great. I would have gone. I was at her um, uh, album recording at the Beat Kitchen last year. Yeah. And it was like, I was just thinking about it. And I was like, that might be the like one of the most I've laughed ever at like mm-hmm. an impro- at a, a, a stand-up show. Like, yeah. I fucking love her. That's I would have been at the hideout if I had been in town. That's great. And then the, the, the hilarious part of that is my upstairs neighbor happened to be opening oh, for about uh, that. Shannon? Shannon Noel. Yeah, yeah, Shannon's been on this podcast before. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah so, she's great. Proximity, you know I what know. I mean? Like, when I like saw Shannon post away. that, I literally, like, I commented, like, damn, I would, like, I was already bummed I was going to miss Beth, and yeah. now I'm just, like, even more bummed, right. you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, yeah, so that happens all the time, you know? Yeah. Like, uh, famous people walk into the Coles open mic quite often. Yeah. This open mic where I started, and, and you see those people... Uh, just hang they're just hanging out at that right. place and then you just hang out 
don't be a sycophant, don't be a yes. fanboy. Yes. And all of a sudden, now you're hanging out with with a famous person right. every time they're in town. Right. Yes. Because they remember you. And right. You were chill and you were funny. And exactly. That it happens. Like it literally happens all the time. So like, you know, I don't know. That's that's for me as a performer to say to myself. For audit for for people in in your audience, I would say like just go every once go in a while see and see stuff. And yeah, yeah I mean. Whatever. If you if you're gonna just pick something at random, that's fine as long as you don't assume that that's how everything is. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I don't know. There's a lot. There's a lot going on in stand up, and it doesn't all happen at Second City. Okay. Goodness gracious! Every single time I meet a random person, they're like, "So do you go up a lot at Second City?" I'm like, "I don't. I don't do that." We all get that, dude. Yeah. We all get that, especially like improv and well, people don't understand the difference. I get like, oh, you do stand up? I'm like, no, I do improv and sketch, which yeah. is what I said. Literally, <laughs> literally what I said. That's what I said to you, and then <laughs> you said stand up to me because you don't understand uh, the difference between these things. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, I can't count how many people I've like seen do stuff here and then go on to like national, you know, like TV or film stages, totally. and I'm so fucking stoked that i got to see them before yeah. that you know like and i'm also stoked that they're gone now because now the the spot that they were doing yeah. right before they got that is open sure, and yeah. hello that's so funny my name is bill yeah know? like i mean it, it, like we joke about sega city but like one of the first shows i saw was south side of heaven and sure. it was like that whole cast is still crushing it yeah. like you know tim robinson was one of my favorite people that yeah. I had ever seen. And now, like, I get to watch him do stuff on TV. TV and yeah. that's amazing. Yeah, totally. And uh, people are just, like, sitting in their houses watching that end result when they could be watching the person that, like, no one else has the opportunity to watch. Exactly. And they're going to be doing stuff that you're probably never going to get to see. Once they do get famous, they're not going to be doing this. Right. Like, you know what I mean? And, yes. And you're going to get to see them do something that is, like, a cool and be like unique to where you are and yes. it will be happening right in front of your damn face i hate it i went i ran a weekly show on sunday nights and so of course during game of thrones season i oh. constantly got people who went out of their way to tell me that they're sorry they couldn't come to the show because they're they love game of thrones so much and i was like number one don't say anything like if you're not coming like you don't have to be like oh, i'm sorry game of thrones because I don't care. Like, if you're not coming, you're not coming, and that's fine. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. I'm not, like, going to hold it against you. I'm, it's sure. not going to, like... It really, it won't really, the, like, affect our friendship right. if we're friends. I feel like what I would do if I if I couldn't make it to something like that, the only time I would say something is to be like, hey, man, like, I hope it goes great. I'm so sorry I can't make it. Sure. You know? And I wouldn't be like, I'm going to be at home watching Game of Thrones. Right. Like, <laughs> and also, yeah, so, like... It, I, I don't care if you say anything. Like right. you don't have to say anything. If you're if you're not sure. gonna come, you're not gonna come, and that's fine. Right. Um, but if you do say something, don't go out of your way to find me so you could tell me that you're gonna watch this TV show that happens weekly, and then and then you could just DVR it. And that's when I'm like, doing live comedy in front of. If your you face. have HBO, you can watch Game of Thrones whenever. Whenever. Literally whenever. This is only happening at the time that it happens, and it is live in front of your. That is face. a a very weak excuse exactly. like so, a such a weak excuse so you know every once in a while just pick a day during the week or weekend because i guarantee if you live in chicago there is a show that's worth going to every single day of the week 
yes. and weekend. Yeah. At least one. Yeah. So just look for it. It might be in just in your neighborhood at a local bar. Like there are shows that are great every single week. On Thursday, there's Bar DeVille has a, has a show called Parlor Car. It's great every single week. I don't run that show. I'm barely even involved <laughs> in that. You know, I've heard of that I've show. I've done it a few times. Yeah. But it's great. And it's great consistently. Sure. Every week at 9 30. You can see something. And yeah, famous people have walked into that place just because they knew every week. That it week. was a good show. Yeah. yeah. And that doesn't happen happening. super often in Chicago. But when it does happen, it's dope. And you, and if you were at home watching The Get Down, hey, The Get Down's a dope show. But like, you could have watched that on Friday. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Netflix will be there when you get home. Right. So um, that's what I would say. I mean, go out go out and support live live performance, live comedy if you can. And if you can't, you know. I guess keep doing what you're doing. I don't know what. <laughs> sure, sure. I guess uh, the last question I usually ask is like, how do you feel like uh, your love of this topic has influenced you um, creatively and kind of your life in general? And since what we're kind of talking about is, is my creative life, yeah, right, right. I mean, but I I would say you know when we were talking earlier about how I thought. I thought that I wanted to do this for one reason and it turned out to be that I wanted it for a whole other reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's meaningful. And that, that's like something I didn't know going in would happen. Right. Like thinking that, okay, well I want to do this as a fun hobby or like to hone some writing skills, but like, I don't want to be famous. I'm not trying to be the next Louis CK. I actually said this to people. And then I got to a place where I was like, Oh, this isn't, like a fun hot like it's not like whittling you know or like yeah or like you know uh whatever yeah whatever hobbies people do Taking just to relax salsa at, dance classes yeah, exactly whatever, at yeah. the end of the night after work it's not like that for me it is work you know and i'm ha- it's the only work i'm ever happy to <laughs> do when i'm doing it but yeah. it is work it's not like you know what i mean like half the yeah. time I don't want to do this either yeah dude i feel you <laughs> i feel you so hard it's so funny Damn, it's so funny you said that because I was like, yeah, like I love getting to produce this show. Mm-hmm. And it's like, one, and I love, you know, doing my weekly show at The Annoyance. It's two of the most consistent. Those are the things I do yeah. every fucking week. And even then, like sometimes Wednesday rolls around and I'm like, I don't feel like fucking editing my podcast today. Yep. <laughs> yep. yep. Totally. So I literally went through that thought process as you were vocalizing that. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, you know, generally speaking, I do want to do. I want to do it all the yeah, time. But like, same. there are times when I'm doing it that I'm like, ah, yeah, you know. So yeah, um, yeah. I don't know. That's it. I really, I think that you know, this is where I'm at. And it's funny because like I, I kind of like quote unquote came out to my parents about the fact that I'm like, hey, quitting my semi-decently paying job to do this and they were like the they're the people who've always like ostensibly supported me sure. like whatever choices you make you always got your parents we always love you yeah i am also you know blessed to have that behind yeah me. but but when it came to like oh you quit a job you quit a you quit a job Ugh, but to you not a, have a job <laughs> so what do you what are you doing now? Well, I'm doing, yeah. I'm doing, I'm going to do stand up. I mean, I'm, I'm okay, signed with an agent. agent. I yeah. want to do voice acting. It's like, yeah, but what are you doing for your job? No, this is my, this is my job now. It's yeah. just, my job is much lower. Yeah, but what are you doing for work? Oh. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm doing <laughs> this. This is it. This is my work every yeah. day. This is this. Uh, yeah. So they don't get it. Even though they want to support me, they don't get it. Right. So it's like, yeah. I think that's, uh, 
the the uh, the stepping stone of of admitting that to oneself if it is the thing that you want and mm-hmm. then having to admit it to the people around you yeah it's a tough one who you feel a responsibility to right yeah right um thank you so much for doing this man yeah totally this has been great that, hey i had a, i had much more to talk about than i thought i would when we started <laughs> see i knew it'd be fine i know i know <laughs> i love you man i mean that oh uh, thanks a lot i love you back it's very sweet This has been a Nerdalogs production. If you'd like to help make more things like this, please visit patreon.com slash nerdalogs to donate today. And go to www.nerdalogs.com for more cool stuff. Thanks for being awesome. Thank you all. Thank you all. I am Grabbot23548X.